Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law. A personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas, Greening Law will fight that legal battle so you've got time for healing and renewal. But right now, here it is. The moment we've all been waiting for, it has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast version 391, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Oh, much to discuss. We got some Cowboys questions, big NBA trade. Jacques went to a sport that most of us are probably quite unfamiliar with. And a little Rangers, so we're going to dive into all that here over the course of the next hour or so. But none of this happens without our great sponsors, and we always tell you and remind you right off the top about Greening Law, 972-934-8900. Memorize it, write it down, keep it in your car, whatever it is, because at some point it happens to everybody. Something's going to happen to you that wasn't your fault, and you're going to wonder how in the world you're supposed to handle this. It's a personal injury. It's an injury to your person. It sounds simple, but once it happens to you and you realize, my God, these companies are calling me. I I have to go get this. I didn't know this was going to happen. What do I do? That's where Greening Law comes in. They really are your competitor and your guiding light against these insurance companies to navigate what is a really tedious and in-depth process when something like this happens to you. No, and that's why you want to call the Green Team. You want to pick up the phone, give them a call, and say, hey, here's my situation. What do you guys think? And if they bring you on as a client, it's your lucky day. Real talk. It's your lucky day because, one, they'll guide you through the process. Number two, they'll tell you what to expect, when to expect it. Number three, Matt will tell you this. They'll even set up doctor's appointments for you and say, hey, here's the best specialist for this. You need to go to this doctor and check that out. Go over here, get an MRI, all that kind of stuff. And then number four, they don't get paid. Listen closely now. They don't get paid. Not a nickel, not a dollar, not a quarter until you get paid so they're working for you they're working for themselves they want a win-win situation what could be better than that and all you gotta do is check their record ain't a lot of people better you're right that's what they do it's greening law robert greening and his green team you can call them right now at 972-934-8900 robert greening offices dallas texas so as we get rolling here i always find this interesting and this is something that the Athletic has done for the last few years. Each year before the season, the Dallas Cowboys season, they have a fan survey, and they've got like 30 questions on this thing. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but a couple of them kind of jumped out to me because I enjoy filling these things out. I always think it's fun. 
But one of, there, there's two that I wanted to throw out for you because I'm curious what you would say. And they're simple and they were open and you could name anybody on the team. But one of them is the overrated, underrated question. Of the players on the team that we know that is moving into the 2023 season, who would you select as the most overrated player on the Dallas Cowboys? That's a great question. Overrated player on the Cowboys currently. Well, let me say it like this. I bet a bunch of people pick Dak is overrated, and I bet a bunch of people pick Dak is underrated. Yes, I bet. Dak is Dak is a polarizing player. And you're correct on that. Um, this is a great question. I'm just going to say this. I think overrated player, in fan opinion, might just be Tyron Smith. That's a really good one. I can see that. I didn't. I, I didn't put him, but yeah. Okay. Um, overrated player. You know what? I bet because the sack numbers have been down, Tank Lawrence would be on that list. Tank makes a lot of sense. I think as well. I think I, actually Tank. See, that, that's interesting because to me, like for Tyron Smith, I still think. Is he what he was? No. But for the amount of money that you're paying that guy, he's still one of the, if he's not one of the top two or three left tackles anymore, he's still, I would guess, one of the top five. That may be top 10. Okay, let's call it top 10, whatever. He's, point being, he's yeah. still one of the better left tackles in the game. I didn't, I didn't really have a problem with him. You know, Tank uh, is interesting. If he was making the money he originally was supposed to make when he signed his deal, I probably would have right. put him overrated. Um, see, I don't think the Cowboys have... Oh, you know what? Maybe uh, Trayvon Diggs is overrated. That's who I put. See, I went as I was going through this list. I was like, "Who is uh, who's really who's good, but maybe not great? Who's really really good, but not great? Who people think is is like because eh, he gets beat a lot?" So I'd say probably Trayvon Diggs. Yeah, Trayvon Diggs was who I put in, and I thought, okay, he had a lot of picks. That's great. And then it dropped to three last year, which we've gone through that before of how. He, the chances of him having anywhere near double-digit interceptions again is, is slim to none. He gets some balls, yeah, but at the same time, like you just mentioned, he seems to be a guy who still takes too many chances. And when he misses, he gets beat, and he gets beat big more often than I think a guy that's supposed to be super elite and get paid you know, $25 million a year to play cornerback, I don't think should get beat as often as he does for big plays. All right. Now, see, this is going to be a very interesting year this year, and I could see him having a great year this year. Because, uh, one, you know, he's still kind of playing for money, uh, that big contract. Two, you got Gilmore on the other side, and so he may get challenged more this year mm-hmm. than he normally would. And with him getting challenged in his ball skills, he may have a chance to get seven or eight or nine picks this year. Yeah, it, and uh, – I mean, the reality of it is, if he does that, it, it's you're going to pay the dude. It's kind of like sacks. I mean, if, if you got a big sack number, those guys get paid. If you get a big interception number, you're going to get paid. Yeah. And, I mean, he was uh, – I thought he was better last year, even though he didn't have all the picks. Uh, he still gives up some plays here and there, but he gave up, you know, not nearly as many as he did the other year. And then now, again, man, he's working his way into being a veteran now. And so the stuff that fooled him as a rookie – Definitely shouldn't fool him, you know, this year. And some of the things he got beat on last year, he should have learned from it and grown from it and improved. And some of that stuff should be taken away. 
Plus, uh, you know, he can uh, pick Gilmore's brain this year. And, uh, you know, about things that he, you know, how do you do this? How do you handle that? What's, what's your approach to this? And it should just make him a better player. Yeah, it should. And look, reality of it is he still had 14 passes defense last year with the three interceptions. Now, obviously, the year before, 11 interceptions, 21 passes defense, which was second in the league. He's a very good cornerback. I, I don't know that I would say he's one of the top five cornerbacks in the league. And I think he might be about to get paid like that. Which is why I put him down there. For most underrated, you nailed it right off the top. I put Dak because I do think that most people underrate Dak. He had a horrible season last year. The interceptions have to cut back. I think we're all fully aware and can agree on that. But the idea that he's somehow below average in the NFL is comical to me. Is he a top five quarterback? No. Is he a Hall of Fame quarterback? Stop. Not even close. But is he a, ever said he was. Right. But is he a good quarterback that you can win with? I believe he is. I think he's somewhere in the top third of quarterbacks in the league. Is he eighth? Okay. Is he 12th? I think he's probably somewhere in between eight and 12 as the best quarterback in the NFL. I think that's fair. And it just depends on how you look at it. Um, but, you know, he's a really good player. And uh, what he's got to do is have another – he's got to have a playoff run and play big in a playoff run to change his reputation. I mean, I don't think I'm breaking news, but I think that's what, uh, that's what has to happen uh, for him to, uh, to take it up another notch. And he's going, you know, and he should have that opportunity. They have one of the best teams in the NFC. I think it's them, Philadelphia, San Francisco. I think you got to keep an eye on Detroit. Um, but uh, I think Dallas, Philadelphia, San Francisco are top three by f- easily – to me and so you're in that group uh you should be i mean think about it. who is san francisco's quarterback it very well may be sam darnold actually right so you should feel like you're at least as good as jalen hurts you're better than sam darnold or whatever quarterback they're throwing out there so the cowboys should feel like we got the edge a quarterback most weeks we've played a game so we should win most games because we need our quarterback to play good we helped him with the receivers so he should be better uh, that's just what you need man and he's got to uh he's got to then meet that standard of performance yeah and i thought this was interesting and and, and you can take this for what you will but there was a tweet a few days ago that was talking about cj stroud the rookie quarterback for the texans And Noah Brown, who obviously jumped from the Cowboys to the Texans in free agency this year, reportedly sees comparisons between C.J. Stroud and Dak Prescott. And Cole Beasley retweeted this tweet. And somehow I saw it, even though I don't follow Cole Beasley. But he said, Dak is by far the best leader I've played with. Dak's huddle presence is something that can't be taught. And again, you go, okay, well, so what? Who else did he play with? Well, only Tom Brady and Josh Allen. (laughs) <laughs> now, you, again, that's one guy's just one guy, Cole Beasley, who some people think is crazy and some people love him, whatever. But I thought that that was interesting that Cole Beasley went to Twitter because you hear that with all the guys about Dak is the leadership quality. And he's right. It can't be taught. And part of being, I think, to be one of the top quarterbacks in the league, the leadership quality 
is he a great thrower? Does he have some of the great things that some of these other guys do? No, but he, he might be a much better leader than some of the other guys that have the prototypical skills. Um, you know, man, I think it's uh, Dak is everybody. Every quarterback is not a phenomenal leader. Tony Romo was not a phenomenal leader. Yeah. He was a phenomenal player in a lot of ways. Uh, I don't think anybody could deny that he was not a phenomenal leader. And it, it was just personality thing, man. Um, that and I always say anytime I'm asked about Romo he's a great I mean he's really really outstanding player and if he had had a little luck in the postseason when they had some really good teams 07 and 14 I could see Romo being in the Hall of Fame because if he'd have made those runs he he'd have had the other numbers he just didn't have the rings and the playoff success to get really into the conversation but I raise this every time we talk about Romo and Dak and this and that. Nobody screamed from the rooftops on the Cowboys, this is Romo's team, give, him, give Romo's team back. That's true. You think about it. No, nobody did. Not Jason Witten, his BFF. How about this? Not Jason Garrett, his other BFF, who gave, him, who gave his job away. There was nobody screaming. This is Romo. Romo got to be the starter, man. Romo can take us where we never. Nobody said that. And this after he's been a quarterback for a decade. Yeah. So just think about that. Y'all just let that marinate for a minute. He's a quarterback for the decade. He was an outstanding quarterback for a decade. Yet, when he got replaced, not a single person said, yo, this is Romo's team. Give Romo his team back. It's unfair that we're giving this rookie the job. Nobody said that, bro. Yeah, that no, speaks to Dak. Nobody was toing the thing, crying about that being their quarterback. Bro, that's an even better way to say it. You're right. Nobody did that. Not even close. No. And so um, that's his leadership skill. He's gifted in that area, and it's because, in my opinion, um, he's biracial, so he can. He understands black folks, he understands white folks. He grew up in a trailer park, so he understands black folks, he understands white folks. He grew up poor, so he understands black folks, he understands white folks, he understands people with money, he understands people, rookies who don't have money. He majored in that in psychology, I mean, in, uh, he got his master's in that from Mississippi State, workplace management. That's a weird degree to get, bro, that's to me, that's a guy who just didn't get a master's just to get a master's. He's like, let me do something, put it to use. And so he's taking all those skills. And that's why occasionally you'll see him out at dinner with some spare players. And you're like, what is he doing out with them? Yeah. Well, that's how you become a leader. You get everybody to believe that you care about them and that you ride with them and that they can count on you. And in those tense moments, you become a leader. I mean, I tell a story. A couple stories. One of them is, uh, you know, I was doing a story on uh, Zeke, and uh, I asked Dak about his very first play, and it was a pass where Zeke didn't run the right route, almost got intercepted, and Dak is explaining the play to me, and, and he doesn't he doesn't include the fact that Zeke messed it up, and so Zeke is telling me, oh yeah, I screwed that up, and Dak saved me, blah blah blah. So I go back to Dak. Now remember, this is like five years later. I go back to Dak and I go, yo, dog, you ain't telling me Zeke screwed it up. He goes, man, that's my boy. That's my teammate. I can't be telling you that. He can tell you that, but I can't tell you that. This is five years later. This dude is keeping a secret from the first play of their career that nobody but me cares about or even remembers. 
that speaks to what he is as a leader. So there you have it. The leadership of Dak Prescott. Is that who you would say is the most underrated? Uh, probably because so many people think he can't play. Yeah, which <laughs> just is just, like, I mean, it's, it's so comical. Like y'all are drunk. Dude is phenomenal. I mean, dude is, a, is an excellent player. Yeah. He needs to, you know, he had a bad year. And the bad year was not, you know, it was, it was not what we've seen from him. You know, it was out of it, nothing about that year fits into his career. So now we'll see whether that was a trend downward or whether that's really who he is. And then the other question that kind of jumped out to me, there's actually two more, but the other one, because I started thinking about this too, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but which position concerns you the most? And they give you, I mean, you can name any position you want. The offensive line, running back, wide receiver, tight end, kicker, linebacker, what have you. And I, I started thinking about, I was like, you know, I actually feel like most of the position groups are pretty solid. R- running back, I do kind of wonder about, but of positions of concern in the NFL, that would not lead me to be concerned. Assuming that Tony Pollard comes back and is 100% healthy, I think they'll be fine, even if he's not a 20 carry a game guy tight end schoonmaker let's see what he's got but they've kind of shown in the past they can put together a, a, a fairly productive tight end group from scratch and oddly enough like kicker to me yeah okay but we've talked about this before wide receiver man if one of those main three guys gets hurt they've got nothing i mean literally there is nothing behind them if they have an injury at wide receiver I think they're in a conversation, but the fact remains they got they got three of them. And so, you know, if you, one of them gets hurt, you're down to two, and you got to stick one of those other guys, Jalen Tober, somebody in there to complete your, your trio. Uh, to me, the biggest question is always the offensive line because um, I don't trust Tyron Smith to stay healthy for more than 13 games considering he hadn't done that in five years. Which means, and so I don't trust him to stay healthy. I don't trust your swing tackle because whoever it is, they never peed a drop in the NFL this year. Um, I don't trust your left guard unless it's Tyler Smith. And then if he goes to left tackle because Tyron gets hurt at some point that he will, I don't trust that guy because he either hasn't played or it's the uh, guy they, they got off of uh, Ogba who, you know, he's just a guy. I don't know that Terrence Steele is coming back uh, to be what he was because he, he had a knee injury, so it may be another year before he's healthy. Mm. And so if he's hurt again, same thing with left tackle backup, fits for right tackle backup. And uh, I hate the idea that they've been floating around about, oh, we're going to move uh, Tyron to right tackle and Terrence Steele to left guard because you're screwing up two positions instead of just one. So there's a lot of things I don't like about their offensive line. And that, to me, has a potential to be disastrous. And if that is a disaster, then your whole offense, despite your skilled people and your quarterback, will be a, uh, an inconsistent mess most of the year. And then finally, and this is the last question they ask in their fan survey that we're talking about here, and, and it's simply which of the four teams is closest to winning a championship? And, and that's obviously, of course, talking about the four teams in the Dallas area, the Cowboys, Mavs, Stars, and Rangers. 
I didn't even, quite frankly, consider the Cowboys or Mavericks. To me, this was between the Stars and Rangers, as odd as that may seem. Right, right, right. But the fact that the Stars just made the run to the Western Conference Final, and I think are, when you look at what the Stars have with a elite top three blue liner, an elite top five scorer, an elite top five goalie, that they've already signed long-term, and you're building out around that with some veteran pieces, it, it's... The Stars could win the Stanley Cup this year. They didn't. They could win the Stanley Cup next year. The Rangers, man, I obviously they're a very good team. I, I just, I, I, it's, it's always hard in baseball when you haven't been to the playoffs in a while and you don't have a lot of guys that have that type of experience. How will it work in the playoffs for them? Yeah, I think um, I like what you say about uh, the Stars. I think they're right at the cusp of winning a championship, their championship caliber. Um, I don't, uh, I don't, I'm not down on them at all. And here's why all the young players you talked about from hence to a Heskinen to Robo. I mean, they just, to the goalie, yeah. they, they're loaded with young dudes who can effing play. So I ain't worried about them. And the GM seems to be good and their coaches proven. And the team they lost to just ran rough shot over everybody. So when that happens, you just tip your cap to Vegas and say, we'll see y'all next year because they just crushed everybody. So no shame in that. Uh, the Rangers, they're ahead of schedule to me, and they are on the move. Um, they got a really, they got some young guys coming. Uh, we'll see if Chris Young, Chris Young's debut as a GM has been fantastic. But what's the, what's the, what's the next case? And to me, and y'all, you tell me what you think. Y'all can too. It's not that hard to say, hey, Matt, come to Texas for five years and $185 million. To me, that's not that hard. Yeah. Because ain't nobody else offering me more than 140. <laughs> so, okay, that's easy. The true test of the GM is, can you make deals at the deadline that put us over the top in years that we can't contend? Now go back and look at the downfall of the Rangers. I love John Daniels. He swung for the fences every time that they were good. Yeah, he did. He swung hard. Sometimes he connected Cliff Lee. Sometimes he didn't. A bunch of other dudes. But he was swinging. And when they made those moves, I don't know that anybody goes, oh, that was a dumb move. It just was a move that didn't work out. Because some cats can handle that pressure of being the big piece acquired. And some cats can't. And you just don't know until you get them. So the test for me is can Chris Young deal at the deadline and make moves like the rain? Check this out, man. The Rangers can win the World Series this year. Yeah, they can. There's no reason why they couldn't. Not as currently constructed, but they're as good as anybody else in baseball right now, today. They're capable. They're talented enough to win the World Series. They need another starter. They need another bullpen piece. Can he go out and get those and put them in position to win it? Because the thing, and I will let Matt get back to the program, the thing that stops them right now to me is the thing that Jacob DeGrom gave him, when DeGrom, even though he didn't pitch a lot, he pitched that month, you never worried about a long losing streak because he's going to shut that thing down. He's a true ace, true ace. And there's not that many true aces in baseball. 
Well, they don't have a true ace anymore. So you got to overwhelm people with depth. And to me, they need another upper echelon, one or two starter to make sure that everything is good, everything lines up for the playoffs. And then they got to get another bullpen piece that they can trust for the seventh and eighth inning. Yeah, they do. And I, and I think that they will address that. You know, it, it's to your point, we should do this sometime. And maybe we'll do this in July when we get closer to the trade deadline is looking back because a couple of those other moves, I mean, let's not forget, I want to say it was back-to-back years. I, I believe if I'm correct on this, it was 2015 when they went out and got Cole Hamels at the trade deadline. And of course, that team made the playoffs and ended up losing. That was the one they had that collapse and lost in five to Toronto. And then the next yeah, year at the deadline was yeah. the Jonathan LaCroix trade when they brought him in. And he was really good for that half season with the Rangers. And that was the year they got swept by Toronto. The fact, the fact they won like 95 games. So, I mean, to your point, they, they swung deals. They addressed and said, where do we need to get better? And then they would mortgage the farm to go out and get those guys for whatever reason. And that's not John Daniels' fault that it didn't work in the playoffs. Right, right, right. I so, had no pressure. I had no problem with J.D. swinging. I, that's one of the things I loved about him. Like, let's go for it. Yeah, when you have that conversation about those four teams, I got to go Stars, Rangers, and then Cowboys. My, my thing of it is, is until I see it, until somebody shows me that they can, because <laughs> how, how do you have any belief? And I know that, well, that last year has no effect on this year, and 10 years ago has no effect on this year, and I get that. But there's just something about this franchise that they can't bust through that divisional round ceiling. And I don't know. And again, we've talked about this. When I look at San Francisco and Philadelphia right now, if I said you're going to meet them in the divisional round of the playoffs, I feel like those two teams have done and will do things that the Cowboys aren't willing to do that puts them that they're going to have that one extra dude. Like, oh, we don't need DeAndre Hopkins. We have these three wide receivers. I get it. Then in the divisional round of the playoffs, DeAndre Hopkins makes a one-headed catch in the back of the end zone, gets both feet down, and you beat Philadelphia. Right, right, right. But you don't have that guy now. And, and I feel like Philadelphia and San Francisco acquire those types of players that we go, man, they don't, do they need that guy? Well, probably not in the regular season. But now they've got some dude who will make a play for them in the playoffs that – I just feel like those franchises and Buffalo maybe the same way, Kansas City – there's franchises out there that are willing to do that to win now, and I don't know that the Cowboys are, which is why it's so hard to ever imagine that they can make that run. Yeah, but they're they're close to me. They um, they just they haven't uh, they just haven't been able to put it together. That's one of the reasons Kellen Moore is not here. Right. Yeah. They they looked at consecutive years and said our offense got his ass kicked in the second half of uh, games against San Francisco. San Francisco is a team we must beat to get where we're trying to go. Philadelphia is a team we must beat to get where we're trying to go. We don't think Kellen can do it, so let's make a move and see. Uh, so that was their move. That was their say, let's, let's see what we can do. Let's see if we can get better with another approach offensively because I think they've got a, I think they've got a terrific defense. I think they've got a terrific defensive coordinator. I think their offense should be good enough. They're they're a really good team, man. And uh, they just got to play like it and uh, get some help on that offensive line and, you know, make it happen and have a breakthrough. And to make it – this is what I believe, that the game ultimately – and, again, I ain't breaking no news here, man. The game is about playmakers, man. 
San Francisco, Kittles made a play that broke the game open. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Trayvon Diggs did not make a play on that particular play. Now, I think he got a little more grief than he should have, but he didn't make a play when he had a chance. Cowboys players, they made plays against Tampa. They didn't make them against San Francisco. Your best players have got to be balls out and making plays to win championships. And the more of those guys you have, the better the odds that somebody will make a play. But you got to have them, and then they got to deliver. So we'll see how it goes. But, I mean, I would say I, I do have the Cowboys above the Mavs and closest to championship. I, I just uh, – No doubt. The Mavs, I, I, I'm, I'm horrified they've bungled this thing completely and they're effed and that Luka is going to KD this thing, play to the end of this contract or within a year of it, and the Mavs are going to look at it. He's like, yeah, I'm out. And then they'll hit the reset button and try again to find a generational player. Yeah, they, uh, they seem to just – the thing about the Mavericks is they don't seem to have a plan. They seem to be just throwing stuff up there trying to see if they can get lucky and make something work. Uh, they, they feel desperate to me as opposed to – like the Rangers right now, right now, the Rangers seem to have a plan. Like Chris Young showed up with a plan. The, the Mavericks don't seem to have a plan. So we'll see how it turns out, but I thought that was kind of a cool thing that the athletic does every year, which is nice. And, and I'm a, I'm a, you put up a survey, I'm going to fill it out. I just, that's, I enjoy it. I don't <laughs> that's know. you, survey man. It is. As a matter of fact, if you were going to survey the best mechanic to take your cars to, I think anybody, Jacques and I for sure, and you go, oh, you guys are biased. Well, then you obviously haven't been to Freeway Tire Shop. Because if you ever would take your stuff to Freeway Tire Shop, any car that you have, any vehicle, I'm talking oil change. I'm talking extensive work. You need new tires, whatever the case may be. Take your car to Freeway Tire Shop and then tell me it's not the best mechanic experience you've ever had from customer service to fair price, getting your stuff taken care of and them standing behind the work because they'll beat any place you've taken your place, your, your cars before. Oh, no doubt, man. And that's because it's the reason why I rock with JR. It's the trust system, man. You can trust him to do several things. One of them is diagnose quickly what's wrong with your car. You can trust them to use quality parts to fix your car, which not everybody does. Then, trust them to charge a fair price. You can trust Freeway Tire Man to stand behind their work. Uh, they're terrific. I'm going to pick up my car in a little while. Uh, but, you know, I have every confidence that they've solved the issues that I was having. and get on the road and be good. And that's why I take my cars over there. And that's why I tell everybody, if your mechanic is not doing each and every one of the things I just mentioned, then take 35E toward Denton North. Get off at Commonwealth. It's about five minutes from downtown. Go through the light. Look to the right. You cannot, you will not miss it. It takes up the whole block. There it is. Go take your car to JR. Tell them you're a jam fan. Tell them Jacques and Matt sent you. And then send us a thank you note later. There you go. It's easy. It's Freeway Tire Shop. Check them out. Also, Flow Air Heating and Air, they make us possible as well. And, and of course, we've been telling you about them for the last couple of weeks. Family and veteran-owned, they've got all kinds of experience. And for the month of June, they're running a duct cleaning special. And you're like, okay, well, what do I do about that? Call them. You can shoot them a text like, hey, I listened to the Jam Session podcast. I heard you guys are doing a duct cleaning special. Can you give me some more info? They'll just text you back, man. It's 817-808-4115. Some of you listening right now are going to run into that horrifying situation. You're going to have AC problems. You're going to need a repair. You may need a new system. They can handle all sorts of things that will help as much as possible to ease the burden of the Texas summer. 817-808-4115. 
but you got to get in touch with them and see what they can do with for you at Flow Air Heating and Air. Dude, we spent this was the first oppressive weekend of heat. And I'm talking like uh it was just steaming. I was at the store yesterday. Walked in, looked at the meat section. All the windows were just fogged up. That's how hot it was outside. Um, so this is not a time to play with your air conditioner. That thing will be working overdrive right now. Now's the time to let Flow Air check it out and get you right, whether it's ducts, whether it's maintenance. Right now, man, because we got uh, seven straight days of uh, almost 100 degrees, high 90s if not, and the heat index way over 100. Go get it checked out now. Let Flow Air help you. Don't, I mean, if you call them, off hours they got 24-hour service they're coming but why do that man we can get it done now before you need it be proactive man not reactive call flow air let them get you straight it's flow air flow air heating and air 817-808-4115 they do it all man they service the entire dfw area 24 7 emergency service and you can find them online as well at flowairtx.com so let's chip around the block it's interesting because you threw this out and it's fun because I have been to a million of, well, I'm not going to say a million. I've probably been to 50 rugby games in my life. Why? Well, for one, my brother played rugby in college when he was at Texas. He was a member of the Texas rugby team. Chris? Yeah. You know, Chris has really pretty much done everything. Yeah, he's done a lot. Like he was really into it and... I got kind of my, I guess my first exposure to rugby would have been that. And man, those rugby dudes, I mean, they're just on a different planet. Like they are, they're insane. A lot yeah, of those that's guys. That's explain it. A lot of them are insane. And, you know, I, I can't remember all the exact terminologies and whatnot for the positions, but he was essentially the dude that they were trying to get the ball to because believe it or not, my brother Chris was extremely fast. No, I believe that. And they would, he was one of those guys that they would try to get the ball to so that he could run. Right. And so, man, I went and saw him play a couple of times. I mean, I saw a dude just get smashed in the face and break his <laughs> nose, and it was insane. And then when the first time I lived in Birmingham from 2013 to 2016, a good buddy of mine was affiliated with the rugby team here called the Birmingham Vulcans. And okay. I used to go, I, man, we, we'd go to their games every week. We'd go on Saturdays or whatever and, and hang out and you'd drink beer, watch the rugby game. And then afterwards, those, they went to a bar and you'd just be, I mean, those rugby guys, they have all these weird chants and these weird things they do and they chug a lot of beer. But <laughs> they it's a, chug a lot of beer. It's fun, man. It's a fun sport. It's, it's extremely physical. And once you kind of are around it and you, you learn the game, it's a lot of, as a matter of fact, I don't know how many people know this, the term touchdown that we are very familiar with in football is from rugby. Because when you score yeah, in rugby, you have to touch the ball down in the end zone area for yes, it to count. Do. Because we saw, I saw a guy score the other day and the ball squirted out right before he touched yeah. it down. And so there was no touchdown. Right, correct. And, and so like, you went to see, I'm assuming this is a professional, because there's a professional rugby league. Yes, there is. Uh, and the uh, Dallas Jackals are part of the Professional Rugby League. And they're run by a friend of mine. Y'all may, his name may sound familiar to. His name is Rod, with two Ds, Newhouse. 
son of legendary Cowboys fullback Robert Newhouse. Okay. And uh, I've known Rod since he was a fullback at uh, running the option. He was the fullback at Lake Highlands, uh, and they had a pretty good team. And uh, he went to Rice and played football, and uh, he's done a lot of different things, almost all of them sports-related, most of them. Uh, but he's, a, he's one of them. He went to Rice. Really smart dude. I mean, like, really smart. Does a lot of different things. But anyway, he got involved with the Jackals, and uh, he hit me up a couple weeks ago and said, man, you got to come out and check us out. And uh, so I came out the other day, and the good thing was – uh, he's like the GM, COO of the team. He's not the GM. He's a COO. Uh, so I was watching the game in him uh, in a suite <laughs> uh, with a couple of his other people, and he was explaining it all these things as they were going on because uh, it's pretty fast moving. Oh, and yeah. once you once you get a feel, like like you don't have to know the rules, but just get a feel for how the action is being played. Because, like, one time uh, they played the Chicago Hounds and uh, they lost 29-28. I think somebody kicked a uh, try in the last three minutes. That's like a field goal Yeah. Um, to win it. Uh, but at one point, Dallas had scored and they got the ball back again. I go, I said, what is this, make it, take it? <laughs> he was like, no, it's a field position game, so you'd like to kick off because that pins them deep and maybe you can stop them and force them to kick kick it back to you. So there's a few things going on. There was something like a side like a throw in on soccer where you throw it in and the guys hoist another guy up yeah. and throw him up in the air so he can get high to catch it. That was kind of weird to me. Yeah, so there they do a few the scrums parts. and all that. Yeah. I mean it's yeah. Uh, it's a lot of fun yeah i mean once you've been around it like that's interesting because i'm looking at the team now they have their kits is what they call it's kind of like soccer you know their their uniforms known as a kit and the dallas rugby's have really cool the jackals have cool colors man bro that's one of the things i noticed they got nice colors it's like a black i want to say kind of aqua uh but the logo is good the color scheme is good and um, they look good. And uh, I saw a lot of people at the game wearing Jackal's paraphernalia. And part of it is they're supporting the team. But the other part is the uh, the gear looks good. It's got a good color scheme. So It is. And it's it's interesting because they got a lot of Argentinian dudes on their roster. And again, I mean, obviously, as I'm sure most people are familiar with, rugby is not exactly a super popular sport here in America. But in other right, parts right. of the world, I mean, everybody's familiar with Australian rules football, and it's big in Australia and South Africa, and huge in South America and Europe. As a matter of fact, I'll send you this picture that I just took because I actually have, when I was here before, like we were such, like we were like honorary members of the Vulcans that when we left, they gave us a framed Vulcan kit and wow. kind of put it on there and, and a nice frame they presented to me and, and Scott. And Scott was like, oh, you can have this. So. Oh, snap. That yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's kind of a, a cool deal, man. But I, I, I really enjoyed it. And, and like I said, I mean, rugby, if you know it enough, it's kind of like hockey in a sense where, because I've got a buddy here is like, man, hockey looks so cool. But when I watch it, I have no clue what's going on or anything. I was like, yeah, if you watch it and you're around people who know it, kind of like any sport, man, like IndyCar or NASCAR or anything that you're not familiar with sport-wise, if you watch it with somebody who knows the rules and what's trying to happen, then you, you, you start to have an understanding and you can enjoy it a lot more. 
Well, yeah, one of the guys he was talking to was like, man, there's just so many rules I can't keep up with. I said, yeah. dog, I said, dog, football got just as many rules. Oh, it's yeah. just that you know those rules. <laughs> you don't know these rules, so it seems like it's going a thousand miles an hour. And so, uh, you know, just figure out the ones you know and you'll be fine. Not that, not that I knew very many of them, but uh, it was a good experience, man. It's a good time. Um, they pay, they have 32 guys on a roster. I didn't realize the rosters were that big. Uh, 10 of them can be international players. The other 22 got to be from the States. And they pay them between 15 and 20,000 for a season. And a season is like uh, 15 games, I think. That's not too bad. And then a lot of those dudes probably jump back over to another country and play over there and make a ton. Well, that's what he was, that's what Rod was telling me. He's like, that's like what they do in the offseason. I said, they play in other leagues. He said, some of them, some of them live here, some of them play in other leagues, some of them go back home. It just depends on everybody's deal. Uh, but this first year, Rod's been involved. Uh, they didn't win a game last year. And he said, not only did they not win a game, they were getting beat by like 50 and 60 points. Um, this year, they went, I think they went 2 and 13. But like they lost the other day by a point. The game before, they lost on the last second by like whatever but the play that decided it was in the final seconds and so they're a lot more competitive this year and he said uh we, we should be good next year because now that we we're improving we've got a stable management we'll be able to get better players to come with us because they'll see that because dallas is a good spot to be obviously yeah live he said so we'll be able to get better players and uh make it happen yeah and last year was their first year in the league too so this is their second yeah. year and for those wondering, Major League Rugby, it began in 2018, and there are currently 12 teams. And so they started with seven teams, and they've expanded, obviously, a handful of times. And they've got it's, – it's like anything else, man. I mean, there's teams in a lot of the big markets. They've got Seattle, Salt Lake City, San Diego, Dallas, Houston, New Orleans, Atlanta, Miami, Toronto, Chicago, New York, Washington, D.C., and Boston. Yeah. So it's big time, man. But that's a cool name, too. The Dallas Jackals. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I like that. Nah, man. It's, uh, it was a good time. It was a good time. Now, I got to tell you, bro. They play at what used to be Globe Life. is now Choctaw Stadium. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh, the other people who play there are uh, FC Dallas's second division team. And uh, the XFL also play there. Yeah. But let me tell you something, brother. It is once, okay, let me make sure I'm not exaggerating. Choctaw feels like it's about two steps removed from being a ghost town. You know, because these are kind of like minor league, lower level yeah. franchises playing. This is what I mean, dog. Like, you can see the disrepair in the stadium because these franchises don't have money to, to fix it oh, and maintain it and keep it up. So, like, you know, I'm walking through the bowels of the stadium. There's tiles missing off the floor. And you're just like, you know, I've been to Globe Life when the Rangers were winning World Series. So everything was pristine. And you can see, you know, I was up in the press box for just a minute. And when you're looking down, you can see how the rails haven't been painted that bright, shiny red. And so it's fading now and there's spots that need to be repainted. But the Coupe de Grace is I was walking on the field with riding a couple other guys after the game. Dude, there are weeds growing up. I mean, 
through the chairs, through the seats. And it was just like, whoa, what is this? I mean, it was. uh, It's also one of those things for teams like that. And they inflate XFL and USFL numbers. Now, I'll buy that the first XFL game, there's 15,000 fans there, but they they were routinely pulling under 10,000 fans in a stadium that seats 48,000. Right. It's got to look like there's no one there. And I I would imagine it. I mean, I don't know how many people are going to a rugby game. A couple thousand. Uh, That's a good guess. Uh, Twenty about twenty five hundred a game. Yeah. And that's why that stadium to me is so strange that you've got a stadium like that. It's like Birmingham's kind of I mean, Birmingham has a really nice new stadium called Protective Stadium that seats. I think it's max capacity is like 40,000. Right. That they built mainly for UAB, the, the college football team here. Well, they have a second division MLS team as well that plays soccer in that thing, you right. might get... Now, the other day, they actually had like 15,000 people because it was a big-time game against an MLS team, but in their normal play, they probably get four or 5,000, and it looks like there's 12 people in that thing. Oh, I believe it. And that's the problem with some of these... You know, okay, well, there's a stadium, but we'll use it, you know, for USFL games in Birmingham. I mean, you turn on the TV, you can go watch the Stallions play, and looks like there's no one there. Well... There's probably 10,000 people, but they're sitting in a stadium meant for four times as many. Yep. So they just look uh, look out of place like there's nobody there. No, yeah. I, I get it, man. I just sent you some pictures right quick. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it's I, – I was kind of surprised that they've decided to keep that stadium. Holy shit, this is nuts. <laughs> I mean, come on, dude. Just go by and pull that stuff out of the seats. That's ridiculous. Matt just saw – there must have been a weed that's about three and a half, four feet high. Going it's taller the than chair. the chair back. Yes. It's growing was... through the chair, and it's higher than the chair back. I mean, that's the type of stuff you see on zombie movies when they take you to stadiums because the world's dude. ending. That's what I was thinking when I was walking by. I was like, this is crazy. That is nuts, man. Because to me, that's just, you know, whoever the main tenant is. I mean, if you're the XFL and you've got millions that you're pumping into this thing, have the rock go by and pull that thing out, man. <laughs> it's growing through the concrete, bro. It was wild. It, that is nuts. I mean, I, I just wasn't expecting that. I mean, that is that is horrible. <laughs> God, it's crazy, man. I told you it looked like a ghost town. Apparently, I mean, you know, I just wasn't expecting the weeds to be that tall. I mean, that's not an exaggeration. That's a minimum three foot weed growing in the middle of a seat. (laughs) It's insane, brother. All right. So the other thing I'll throw out here for you is I saw this and and we're all familiar with this, man. Mikosina, the popular Tex-Mex chain that's all over Dallas. Used to be one of my favorite spots. Yeah, so they have announced that they are expanding into Houston and they will launch their 24th overall location in the Houston area and the area known as River Oaks in October. They're already planning a second Houston location and apparently they're looking at expanding into Oklahoma and potentially opening a restaurant in Oklahoma City. Mikasinas is good. The only reason it's no longer one of my favorite spots is there's so many good hole in walls around. And I just tend to go to there as opposed to a bigger restaurant like Mikasinas. Yeah, and that's the thing uh, is that like I remember Mikasina when it first started coming around. And it's owned by the M Group and they had a bunch of stuff like they did Taco Diner, which was really good, I think, for a long Taco time. Taco Diner was my absolute favorite. I I was very sad when they uh 
went away. Yeah, and they were owned by the same thing, and it was basically like a smaller version of that. But, you know, Mikosina originally started in Preston Forest back in the really early 90s. And, man, it seems like by the end of the 90s, you know, there, there might have been a handful of them, seems right. like, because you'd see them, and, and it used to be like, okay, this is, this is go- really good Mexican food. It's a little bit more expensive than, say, like Tia's back in the day or Don Pablo's or what have you. It right. seemed like it was on a higher level because you'd go in there and they'd give you the, the black napkins rolled up with the nice tablecloth and all that type of stuff. And then all of a sudden, they just like exploded. And now there's Mikosinas all over Dallas. And I mean, yeah, I, there's one in Rockwell now. And, and I like Is it. There? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good, but I, I tend to be with you where I'm like, okay, you know, Mikosina is really solid, but it, it's not what it once was. And part of that, I wonder if it's just because it's so easy to inaccessible now. Uh, could be. That's, that's often an issue. But uh, yeah, man, it's, um, what's your go-to when you go there? I usually get the sunset enchiladas, I believe they're called. All right. Because that sunset sauce that they do, I got to be honest with you, it's legit. And I know my mom and dad love Mikosina. And so they'll, they'll always up for going over there. But yeah, that, the enchiladas... Usually, if I'm going to go to a Mexican food restaurant, because as it is. unless it's like a taco restaurant, I'm not yeah. going to get tacos at Mikosina. And I'm probably going there for lunch, which is usually when we go. So I don't know that I'm going to get fajitas at lunch. So I tend to go for the enchiladas. All right. That's all reasonable. That's all fair. All sounds good. And their sunset sauce is legit, man. I mean, that's. I would put that up there. I mean, the, the sunset sauce and the sunset enchiladas at Mikosina are very tasty. All right. I'll file that away. But there's a lot of places, man. I mean, everybody knows that in Dallas-Fort Worth. You know, you start talking about Mexican food, and you can ask 100 people, and you get 100 different answers for what the best place to go is. That's what I mean. And the, there's a bunch of hole-in-walls. So, you know, it's just, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of options. Yeah, because you've got... <laughs> You know, you've got Tex-Mex, and then you've got more towards the side of traditional Mexican. And then you've got almost what is like Southwest Mexican. And then you get the new emergence of the taco restaurant, which really, you know, sometimes are legit Mexican street tacos, which I love. And then other times are like the craft taco that really isn't even Mexican food. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, what is the difference between Southwest and Tex-Mex and Mexican? I don't know, man. I wonder the same damn thing. Like, what is the difference, honestly? Between Tex-Mex and Mexican food. You know what? That might be a question for Chet GPT. And I think what it is, is it's probably the seasoning that they use and the type of peppers and whatnot and spices that they used in Mexico would not be as on the level of the assortment of spices that you get in Tex-Mex would be my guess. Okay. Because like thinking just off the top of my head, I mean, it's usually generally the same, but it doesn't seem like Mexican food, like actual real Mexican food uses that many spices. And Mexican food also, trying to think like if you have like legit real Mexican food, do they tend to use as much beef as Tex-Mex does? Or is it more pork and chicken? Like carnitas y pollo. Uh, let's see here. Chat GPT says Mexican food refers to the cuisine originating from Mexico. 
It encompasses a wide range of dishes, vary by region, but it often features ingredients such as corn, beans, chili peppers, tomatoes, various spices. Traditional Mexican dishes are tacos, enchiladas, tamales, and mole sauces. Mm, Tex-Mex, on the other hand, is a fusion that combine along the Texas-Mexican border. It has uh, traditional Mexican flavors and ingredients with American culinary influences like beef. Oh, okay, here it is. Tex-Mex uses more beef, cheese, flour, tortillas, and sour cream. Okay, there you go. Such as chili con carne, fajitas, and nachos. And uh, Southwestern food is more, it's got more beans and chilies. It's more, include green stilly, Green chili stew, Navajo tacos, and chili. So maybe they use a few more peppers in theirs. I mean, it's all basically the same thing. Yeah. Which is real small differences. But yeah, I was going to say, because I don't know that Mexico uses as much beef as we do. And so that right. the fact that they, they use other she, stuff, chat GPT, I just refer to it as she. For whatever reason, I just I view <laughs> chat GPT as a female. I don't know why. Maybe I want my AI to be a woman, <laughs> not man. I feel I like man man AI will kill us and woman AI will just seduce us before she kills us. So at least you get that part of it, <laughs> which is good. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I love it all, man. Tex-Mex is Mexican food, Tex-Mex, call it what you want. It's got to be my favorite genre of food. It's got to be. No, it's up there for me, bro. Because I absolutely love my it. my favorite. Yes, it's hard to go wrong with it. It's so hard to go wrong with it. And there's a variety of it in which you can enjoy in so many different ways, which always makes it tasty. So there you go. But yeah, Mikosina, the the explosion of Mikosina, it's like anything else. I mean, you know, that's the problem is, is you think Mikosina, at least it's local, even though there's right. like 20-something of them around Dallas now, it's still, I mean, it it's in a Dallas original. It is originally from Dallas. So when you go yes. there, you're like, well, I'm eating a local restaurant. And you are. It's not like some of those other ones, I guess. Like I was trying to think, like the last time I ever went to a On the Border, which, I mean, On the Border has some stuff, but even On the Border was founded in Dallas. Yeah, dude, that used to be my spot. And uh, it just, other places took it over. I think probably Mikasinas took it over. Actually, my favorite Mexican restaurant now, other than, um, is uh, probably Cozumel. And I didn't even realize they had three or four of those. Yeah, Cozumel. What about uh, Media from Scratch? I was going to say Media is, is right there neck and neck uh, with um, Cozumel. And then probably Mi Casina, if we're going chains. Yeah, and, and you know, it's crazy because then you had... Like, I used to love Don Pablo's, which another Dude, one... that was back in the day. Yeah, man, Don Pablo's was legit, and Tia's Tex-Mex, and neither one of those exists anymore. Both of those were founded out in Lubbock. I mean, they're Texas originals. Really? Yeah, and, and you know, Chewy's is all over the place now, founded originally in Austin. There's just so many of them that are everywhere, and you look at it, you're like, I mean, technically, they're Texan. They're, they're in a lot of cases, they are Dallas restaurants, Right, right, right. It's just, it's weird because they got so chain. There's one out in Rockwall that I like a lot called El Trevino, which has been in Rockwall for freaking ever since, I mean, the, the early 90s. It was there when we moved there, man. And uh, it's kind of fallen off in recent years. It used to be better, but it's, it's still pretty solid. 
So, I mean, look, everybody's got their thing. Everybody's got their, you got, oh yeah, this one's in my neighborhood. It's badass. Oh, I like this chain. Oh, I, this hole in the wall is where I go. Oh yeah. It's what it is. But as we continue and you know what? I don't know that this is hole in the wall, but Smokey John's pretty damn good for barbecue. And it is one, again, it's local. It's, I mean, two dudes who grew up in the Dallas area. It's been in their family. Their dad started it years ago. It's been around for 44 years, whatever it is now. Smokey John's Barbecue, right there in a little strip center, right off of Mockingbird in between 35 and Lovefield Airport. You know, and that's one of those places that you go to and you're like, Smokey John's. Because I remember the first time that I ever had it, I was like, man, I've heard of these guys, but I'd never been there before. And then we started because they were bringing us stuff at ESPN. I was like, man, this is really good. And the first time I went there, I got a couple of different things. I was like, holy crap. I mean, this is, and that's another thing. There's so many barbecue places around DFW that there's Bro. places like Smokey John's that I feel, I tell, so obviously we tell a lot of people about it, but just in private conversations, of you got to go check it out. I mean, it is legit. It is top level, one of the best barbecue places in Dallas-Fort Worth. No joke, man. And if you're there, you can have the barbecue or you can have the jam session bowl. Yeah. Or you can have them both. Or you can have barbecue and jam session bowl. Um, here's the deal. Uh, the jam session bowl is fantastic. We had some a friend come by and down from Durant, Oklahoma, just the other day. Sample that thing. Couldn't have been happier that he made that ride. Yeah. And what it is, it's a bowl. Starts off with mac and cheese and mashed potatoes, which is a great way to start, man. And then it moves to this. It's your choice of two out of five smoked meats. Two out of five. You know, what I've never done is the double where you went like all brisket or something. I might have to try that one time. Man. But that's what you do. You pick two out of five smoked meats and then the fun begins, my friend. All that stuff, all of it that you put on a loaded baked potato like chives, like bacon bits, like butter, like sour cream, all that stuff, mm. like cheese. Yeah. Man, they put it on top of that, on top of that meat and on top of that mac and cheese and mashed potatoes. And then, bro, you get a choice. You can drizzle it with that sauce or you can drench it with that sauce. Either one is cool. You just got to tell them. And then that is something to live for. I'm telling you, that is to live for. If you got a little shorty, three of y'all can eat off of it, no problem. If it's just two people, that's good. If it's one, you're going to have some leftovers to take home. But it is all delicious, and it's only on, are you listening, the secret menu. That's right. So you got you to ask for it. It ain't going to be up there for everybody to see. You got to ask for it. You know, do that and then thank us later. Smokey John's Barbecue. Check those boys out. Also, of course, HFX Foundation Solutions, a full service foundation repair company. They take care of everybody in the entire DFW area. Whatever you need. They specialize in it, man. Slab. They do pier and beam. They do drainage. They do gutter installations. All of that. And as we go through what is about to be really, really hot. We know that foundations will shift around in that wonky Texas soil. If you notice cracks, doors that are sticking that didn't before, if you're having some soil washout, if you see something and you're concerned, it's a free, no obligation inspection. It's local, it's family owned. I'd give them a call if you suspect anything because you don't want to mess with your foundation. Nah, bro. Worse, I mean, you know, everybody in Texas is a homeowner, it feels like. But that soil is shady. It's getting hot. We haven't had that, that, that rain. It, your soil can shift. Your house can shift. You don't want that drama. Uh, it can bring down your house value. You don't want that for sure. What you do want, however, is for Aaron and his team to come over and check your crib out. Get in there. All the places you can't see. 
and just give it the once over. Give it that look. Make sure everything's good. Make sure everything's working properly. Giving that, giving that colonoscopy for the crib. You know, just like we get one, your house needs one, man. Mm-hmm. And when you get that peace of mind that comes from, hey, everything's good. Ah, it's fantastic. And if they tell you, hey, we found a little something, something, chances are, chances are they found it early. And if you find it early, you can get it taken care of, usually at a fraction of the cost. So let Aaron and his team come over and give you the peace of mind that knows that the innards of your crib look good. 817-770-0174 or online, hfxfoundation.com. So real quick before we wrap this thing up, a monster trade in the NBA, and it's, look, the Suns go for it, man. Say what you want about the Phoenix Suns, but they make the moves, and they're trying to figure out a way to get over that championship hump. They acquire Bradley Beal from the Washington Wizards in exchange for Chris Paul, Landry, Shamet, Shamay, whatever that dude's name is, a ton of second-round picks and a bunch of first-round pick swaps. And this is going to be really interesting because it is now they have gotten rid of aging, kind of injured Chris Paul, who this I kind of wonder if Chris Paul is just like, F this, I'm done, and just retires, <laughs> to be honest with you. I don't know that he wants to go and play in Washington. We'll see. But they've, they've swapped him out for, you know, Bradley Beal is still today – on the right side of 30 next week right. he will turn 30 but he's a much younger player than chris paul but also an oft injured guard who hasn't played in more than 60 games in four consecutive seasons yeah i mean i think uh this this is obviously a one-sided trade the uh the Wizards don't really get anything that helps them chris paul is not i would be shocked if chris paul ever plays a uh, a second for the Wizards, uh, even if they buy him out and let him be a free agent, I, I just don't think he'll play for them. They're rebuilding. There's no need for him there. He only needs to be on the championship team where he can come off the bench and play 15, 20 minutes a game at this point in his career. Uh, he could probably do that. And uh, Beal's a, a terrific player, man, but it, it's just a matter of whether Beal, Booker, and Durant, who are going to combine, combine for like the gross national product number in terms of salary, the three of them, whether they got enough money to pay the backup so that they can they can fill out the roster, man. Those three will be great, but you're not going to have any real depth, I don't think, unless you trade DeAndre Aiden for you know two or three guys who can come in and help. Yeah, and that's where I mean, this is going to be. I mean, you look at it. Bills in his career averages 22 points a game, and last year he played 50 games for the Wizard. Average 23 with five and a half assists, which is solid. And, and, you know, Booker can bring the ball up. I think Bill is okay with that. You've got Durant, who's capable of doing, as we all know, a variety of different things. What's going to be really interesting about this is starting in 2024-25, so not this upcoming season, but the season after that, KD, Bill, and Booker, just those three guys, will each make over $50 million a season and the luxury tax is expected to be around $162 million. So, okay, let's say even if it goes up a little bit, that's hundred over $150 million for those three players. You're almost right up against the luxury tax as it is, and the super punitive second level for the luxury tax thresholds 
is going to be about 180, 185. And so that may go up a little bit depending on how the cap numbers go up. But point being, when you look at Phoenix already being at the projected luxury tax number for this upcoming season with those three, in addition to DeAndre Ayton, in the, their ability and flexibility to add anything beyond veteran minimums is going to be really difficult for them. And you got to wonder if, and this is where I'm going to circle back around to the Mavs here, does Phoenix need to move DeAndre Ayton at this point and spread that $30 million per season that he's owed over the next three years? That way they open up some guys that can complement Beal, Booker, and Durant because otherwise, in the next year or two, it's those three, those four, and they'll have nothing else. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that, bro. That's what they need to do. I don't think there's any doubt about that. They got to... Uh, they got to uh, create some money and increase some depth. And so Aiden, they don't want Aiden there. Aiden doesn't want to be there. Uh, although maybe he, he, he will not. Chris Paul is not there. But um, that's their chip to fill out their roster and help their cap. And uh, I, I fully expect him to be moved. And that's why if I was the Mavs, I would figure out if DeAndre Aiden coming in would be a good fit because it makes sense. I mean, that, that's one of the better centers in the NBA. He's a solid defender, very good on offense, of course. Could he be a better defender? Yes, he could obviously be a better defender. But right, right. I wonder, could they have Luka re-sign Kyrie and bring in DeAndre Ayton? And if they could do that, then... Look, they need a big man. I think that that's obvious. They need a dude who can play in the middle, and it would be a better defender. He doesn't. He's not trash. Is he an elite defender? No. But he'd be solid, and you could do... I mean, he's he's a solid young player, man. And this is going to be interesting to see if the Mavs kick the tires on this. And, of course, you'd have to move some pieces, and I don't know exactly how that would work and, and what it would do, but I think it... it, it that's a, a dude who plays the modern five in the... In, I think adding Aiton, if you're going to re-sign Kyrie, makes this a better team. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I think he got a lot of problems, but I don't know how much was created from his situation in Phoenix, where he just didn't want to be there anymore, and he let that get to him. Um, or you know how much that is. He's just a guy. He's a guy who was taken number one overall, but you know nobody's going to. Yeah. Uh, you know he's he's just not going to be that dominant player we thought. So I think um, I think all that's up, and we just need to figure out. But I think he makes you better. And the Mavericks are at a shot at a point where they can't. They don't have a lot of flexibility. So however they got to acquire players is however they got to acquire them. And if you think um, you can get the best out of DeAndre, then yeah, go ahead and add him because he's probably as best as you can get. Yeah, and, and that's where you know what would that cost? I, I would imagine. Tim Hardaway Jr. would be an immediate piece of that. Would you have to give up the 10th pick that you currently hold in the NBA draft? I don't know, but I'll be very curious because keep in mind, the draft is coming up on Thursday night. And the Mavs do have the 10th pick. And I don't know, maybe we'll hear something about this in the next couple of days, but that that would excite me. If, if they traded for DeAndre Ayton, I could get behind that and I would find that exciting. I'm trying to think. That's probably the only thing I would find exciting. I don't think there's too many other moves out there you can make with, with people we've heard about. Uh, the 10th pick, I don't think excites anybody. No. Uh, so. 
Uh, and so I'm intrigued to see what they're going to do because other people are making moves. They can't stand by and just watch. They got to get involved. And that's the thing is, obviously, with the DeAndre Ayton contract, you, you'd have to do something because that's a cap hit of 32. And yeah. Tim Hardaway, I think, is 17, 18 this year. So you'd have to throw in somebody else like a Maxi Kleba or somebody like that. But if you're getting a DeAndre Ayton for that and you're going to bring back Kyrie as well, works for me, man. No, I feel you on that, brother. All right, well, I'm glad. Hopefully the Mavs are listening and then, and they're going to do something and make a move here. Oh, dude, if they were listening, maybe they'd give us some, some intriguing information uh, about the draft. Uh, because, you know, it's, it's been a minute since the Mavs, uh, you know, Luka was great, obviously. Uh, lean Lucas should be even better but they're just frustrating because it, it seems like they took a step back and they have no clue now kind of like they're throwing darts trying to see if they can make something hit as opposed to having a real plan of action for how to get to a championship yeah and, and the re- reality of it is the Mavs do want to trade this pick and I'll be curious to see if they can figure out a way to I, I don't know is there something there I'd be surprised the Mavs make their selection. And, and when I say that, I mean by the end of draft night, because we all know how this works. Like they'll just choose a dude. And then after the draft, that's how they got Dirk. I mean, they didn't originally draft Dirk. Milwaukee did. Same thing with Luka, that type of thing. Where I wouldn't be surprised that the Mavs select whoever it is at 10. And then we find out an hour later, they've traded that to whatever. I, I don't know, maybe to Atlanta to get Clint Capella, maybe to Phoenix to get DeAndre Ayton in a package. We'll see, but... I just don't know who the Mavs are going to get at 10 that fits the window of what they need to do with Luka because you're going to get a dude who's 19 or 20 who's four years away from really turning into anything, and that right now for the Mavs is pointless. Oh, I would agree with that, brother. <laughs> you're tr- you're not, yeah, I think the, the, the biggest thing is what you said earlier is they're trying to beat the Luka clock, man. You don't want Luka to get dissatisfied and be like, you know what? You guys don't have a clue. Let me just play my time out. Or how about this? I want to be traded now. NBA guys can make that happen for some reason. And you just don't want it to get to that point. You want him to feel like there's hope <laughs> in terms of uh, getting to a championship and competing. I think he's doing his part this summer by getting in the best shape of his life. And now we just need to see if they can add to it. We'll see if they can do that. But that NBA draft coming up on Thursday night, maybe there will be some moves made. That's it for this one. You guys continue having a fantastic week. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.